Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. It's the Valley. Scott, I'm... Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Gene pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and a, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Happy Championship Sunday, everybody. For the first time, we are having an Arch Madness Championship preview show here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. It's Loyola Chicago and Drake coming up today at 1 o'clock p.m. on CBS. That is CBS, not CBS Sports Network. It's going to be a great game today. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. Great to be with you for another week. I've been covering Arch Madness all weekend we have finally made it to the title game today. The top two seeds, Loyola Chicago and Drake, it is coming up this afternoon. I'm very excited. Loyola opened as a six and a half point favorite. The line is up to seven and a half or eight points, depending on where you look. It should be a great game between two NCAA tournament caliber teams. I really and truly think. This is the best shot the Valley's had at a two-bid league since 2017. And that was when Wichita State and Illinois State dominated the regular season. And then Wichita State pretty sure-handedly beat the Redbirds in the Arch Madness Championship to advance to the NCAA tournament. And Illinois State got absolutely hosed by the selection committee and went to the NIT. Now Loyola is basically a lock for March Madness this year. They had the best defense in the country. They entered today the 20th ranked team. In the country, I don't see a case against the Ramblers. The one wild card is Drake. If Drake was to lose this game, and you heard me say Loyola is a seven and a half point favorite now, eight point depending on where you look. If Drake was to win this game, they'd be in automatically. If they lose, they're on the bubble. And this is a must win game for the Drake Bulldogs, who are without the best point guard in the Missouri Valley in Roman Penn, and they're without their top scorer and rebounder in Shanquan Hemphill, the 2021 Missouri Valley Conference Newcomer of the Year. And the Bulldogs played a close game yesterday with Missouri State. It was Joseph Yusufu hitting a big layup with two and a half seconds to play to send Drake past Missouri State 71-69. to A lot of players played a lot of minutes, though. And this was after Drake's game on Friday was canceled due to COVID-19 protocols with Northern Iowa. There was contact tracing after a positive case in Friday's game did not go on as scheduled. So Drake has only played one game. Loyola has played two. But the Ramblers yesterday, they rolled past Northern Iowa 65-49. to They hit their first five three-pointers of the game, and they assisted on nine of their first 11 made field goals. Very efficient offense from the Loyola Ramblers yesterday. So big game coming up today to determine who gets that automatic bid to March Madness at Arch Madness. And I had a great conversation this morning with Jordan Burnfield. He does great work as play-by-play man for Loyola, UIC, and the Missouri Valley TV Network. He's also at WGN Radio. He's a good buddy of mine. I love talking basketball with Jordan. I, I could all day, and I think I have all day. And we had just an incredible discussion today 
about the Loyola game today, the season, Loyola's journey as a program, and what could happen this afternoon. So I'll shut up because I want to get to this. Here is Jordan Burnfield. It's the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WOUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. Really excited to welcome in Jordan Burnfield to the show. He calls a lot of Loyola basketball games on ESPN3. does great work covering a lot of college basketball as well. Talking Arch Madness title game, Loyola Drake coming up at 1 o'clock today. Jordan, should be a good game today. How are you? I'm doing well, Nick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it should be uh, it should be a really good game today. It's sort of appropriate, I think, that these two teams are going to meet in the final of the Valley Championship, just given the season that they've both had, right? I mean, in, in the years leading up to this one, the Valley has been a one-bid league because of how well Loyola has played and because of how well Drake has played, it is likely to be a two-bid league. And so the fact that these two teams are meeting in the championship, I think is perfect. Uh, just what I think we were all anticipating for Arch Madness. Well, that was going to be my first question out of the gate to you. Are we watching two NCAA tournament teams? Do you think they both get in? I mean, we should be. I, the, here's what I would say. I think that they both are absolutely deserving and both should be in. I don't think Loyola has anything to worry about for obvious reasons. They're ranked in the top 20 in the country, best scoring defense in the country, net ranking that's been fluctuating between 10 and 17 over the last few weeks. The statistics, literally everything, quad one wins, all of it, suggests that Loyola should be in. The same thing is basically true of Drake. I mean, the, the difference is that they're unranked at the moment. They don't have quite as good a defense as Loyola, but they certainly have one of the best defensive teams in the country. Obviously, being without Roman Penn is unfortunate because you would think like, man, like <laughs> that team with Roman Penn, we would be talking about two teams that I think would get in regardless. I think that when you look at some of the prognostications Joe Lenardi has Drake in some of the other ones do not I think they definitely should be in it's good for the Valley frankly that these two teams are playing in the championship one of the reasons to me is it only helps Drake's case that they're in the Valley championship if they lose to a top 20 team in the title game can you really hold that against them and for Loyola for them to keep winning potentially puts them in a better seed, which puts them in a better path in the tournament. And obviously the Valley has had great success in the NCAA tournament, but you and I both know it's always about path, right? And so if they can both get in, I think it would be great for the league at large. I think they should get in. I don't always have the faith though in the voters who I think sometimes when it comes to a league like this, don't watch enough of it, are not as well-versed in it as they should be, and they look back at previous years and they say, well, the Valley's traditionally been a one-bid league the last few years. I mean, Nick, when I was in college, the Valley got multiple teams in. So it's not like this has always been a one-bid league. The Valley has often been a multi-bid league, and I think it should be again. You know, it's funny that you bring up when, when you were in college, it was a two-bid league, or when I which is not college. the stone age by the way oh I know I know I get you that's only, that's only <laughs> probably it's only probably yeah. like five years ago but no very I, kind. Yeah. <laughs> I try the uh when I was in college it's been a one-bid league the last time the valley was a two-bid league was 2016 that was my senior year of high school so I'm used to a one-bid valley and I remember when Illinois State got absolutely hosed the year yes. they in Wichita State dominated and seeing Jerry Palm as the only bracketologist to have Loyola as a 12 seed that has me kind of worried because I know like Lenardi and the other bracketologists have them like maybe seven or eight seeing Jerry Palm have him as a 12 seed. And especially the way they played yesterday, they didn't look like a 12 seed to me. Here's the thing. I know Jerry, I think Jerry does a really good job at this. This is a really hard job to prognosticate this stuff. I don't think they're a 12 seed at all, but depending on how the bracket shakes out, they might be in a better path as a 12 seed, even if they are completely disrespected by being given one. You know what I'm saying? Like if they're an eight seed and Gonzaga is the one seed in their side of the bracket, that means if they win that first game, they're getting Gonzaga in the second round. That is not a great path for Loyola. As good as they are, as good as I think they can be, 
and as deep a run as I believe they can make based on the talent they have. If they were to get Gonzaga in the second round, that would not be good for the Ramblers in terms of making a deep run. If they got a 12 seed, which would be getting hosed, to be completely frank, that would be getting hosed. They might end up in a better situation to go deeper in the tournament, right? In a 5-12 game, they get a team that they likely will beat. And then if you extrapolate that down the line, they might be in a better position to go to the final four as a 12 seed than they would be as an eight, depending on which side of the bracket they get put in. I mean, if you think about the four teams that are likely to be the one seeds, you're looking at Gonzaga, you're looking at Baylor, you're looking at Michigan, you're probably looking at Illinois now, right after yesterday's win over Ohio State. So of those four teams, if Loyola gets an eight seed, I mean, which one do you want? You don't want any of them, right? So I think the best scenario for Loyola, frankly, is if they win today against Drake and they move up to a seven line or they move up to a six line. I mean, really, they should be in a five or a six line. If you're going to rank them 20th in the country, then they should have a four, five, or six seed. So I, I think that would be the best case scenario for them. I think an eight seed would be a difficult seeding for them because of path purposes. Now let's remember here for context for listeners who might not remember in 2018, Loyola was an 11 seed and if Jerry Palm has this team projected as a 12 seed, I think this team is better than that 2018 team, which is that, that kind of cracks me up that he's got this team with a lower seed. It, it is interesting. I, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about this because, you know, when I was covering that final four team, you were with them for every game. You were traveling with them for the whole thing. I've been thinking about whether I think this team is better than the final four team. And I'm curious your thoughts on this, Nick, frankly, because when they went in 18, I think that they're maybe they're starting backcourt, just the starting backcourt. It's hard to say that their current backcourt is better than their starting backcourt, right? Their starting backcourt in the, on the final four team was back-to-back Missouri Valley Conference players of the year in Custer and Towns. And you had Dante Ingram in that backcourt as well, who, as we all know, hit one of the biggest shots in Loyola history. And frankly, all three of them hit one of the biggest shots in Loyola history in the course of that tournament run. But those three starting guards were outstanding guards, right? Crutwig was a freshman on that team. And I think he changed the course of Loyola basketball history, Crutwig. When you looked at what made Loyola good in the years prior to Crutwig, they were always efficient offensively. They were always, at least in the Porter Moser era, and that's as long as I've been covering them. They were always a really good defensive team, aggressive switching, very difficult to play against, right? The difference was, and I think Porter would say this if he were in this room right now, they were too short prior to Cameron Crutwig. They were always playing an undersized big at the five or at the four. And as a result, they would get out-rebounded frequently. Like when they were coming up as a Horizon League team before they moved to the Valley, and then in their early years of the Valley, they got out-rebounded a lot. And so even being efficient, and being good defensively sometimes wasn't enough for them in games because they would lose the rebounding margin significantly. They gave up a lot of second chance points. They would lose games. So on the 18 team, what changed it for me was Crutwig and how good he was, but he was a freshman. The starting guards from the 18 team, I think the top three guys, it's hard to bet against them. This year's team where I think that they're better is they have more guard depth than they did on the 18 team. Like you've got six guards. I mean, I would say Marquise Kennedy would start for any other Valley team except for Loyola. Absolutely. I think that Crutwig is the best player in the league, which he was not at the time. And so that changes the current discussion. And I think that Tom Welch is a huge piece off the bench. Uguak has so dramatically improved from an offensive standpoint that you can't leave him defensively the way that you might've been able to do in previous years. So I think where I might argue they're better now is they have more depth than they did then. And they have 
They have more ways to beat you probably now than they did then. But the top of the 18 team was really good. What, what are your thoughts on this? I'm curious what you think. Well, and first off, I think you hit the nail on the head that Krutwig changing the trajectory of the program. Cause I remember Milton Doyle's senior year was my freshman year. And I remember saying at the time, they're a big man away and yeah. look what happened. Yeah. But I think this year's team and the 18 team, I love talking about these comparisons. I know Porter gets tired of it. I can tell in the press conferences when we're in there. I <laughs> I've can asked tell him many just... times. He doesn't want to answer. I get though why he doesn't want to. Oh, I get it. I, yeah. It's it's yeah. good from the press conferences, watching the look on his face when someone brings up the final four. Yeah. But I, I think they're different in that you brought up the backcourt, which yeah, you got, you had Custer, you had Towns, you had Ingram. Uh, you also had Ben Richardson anchor in the defense. Ben Richardson now, was so valuable. Oh, he, he was. And yeah. at the time, the coaches said that Lucas Williamson would be better than Ben Richardson one day. I think Lucas is just as good, if not a little better than Ben Richardson defensively. And I think he brings another level to this defense, which is the best in the country. The 18 team couldn't say that this is statistically the best defense in the country now. So I think they're right in that defense, which held a team under 50 points yesterday in Indiana state for the eighth time this year. I think that's the separator. And like you said, Crutwig's game is at a new level compared to what it was as a freshman. He was raw as a freshman, like relatively speaking. Now as a senior, you're seeing he can get down low. He's doing more of those reverse layups like Andre Jackson style, which I think is like really, really essential to his game because the mid-range game is just not there for him, which that happens, yeah. but he can maneuver down low. So I think the combination of Crutwig's game, getting to the level it's at with Williamson angering the defense and the depth the depth is so crucial. And that's going to be the big thing today against a Drake team that had two guys play 40 minutes yesterday against Missouri state. I think the depth is the separator along with the defense. I think those two kind of say, okay, maybe this team's better. Maybe they could make another run like that. I think you're, I listen, I think you're definitely right. I think this team has everything that they need. The one, the, the other thing that I would say, and I, I have believed that Porter Moser was, had something special about him back when they started. I mean, I remember when, you know, in 2010, when he takes over and they were a, a bottom team in the Horizon League and they were, you know, they're just not coming off of relevant seasons and people weren't really talking about them. And I remember just, seeing the energy that this guy had. And I was like, you know, this guy is really impressive. I think at some point they could be really good to Loyola's credit. They gave him the time to build a team that is where it is now. Even but with an athletic director change. Yes. And, and Steve Watson deserves a lot of credit for not changing the coaches and staying with Porter. But the reason I bring that up is because after they went to the final four, okay, it's one thing to break through and have a magical season like Loyola did which once in a while happens to a mid-major program, right? We've seen it once in a while where like a George Mason goes to the final four and you know, like they, it's a great story. And then you never hear from him again. The difference with Loyola is Porter has capitalized on what the final four team was to sustain the level of talent and quality and improve upon it, frankly, to get them where they are now. Like they're going to the tournament again. This will be their second tournament appearance in the last four years. Additionally, they were in the NIT. You know, obviously they, they, they lost to Bradley, um, you know, the NIT year, and perhaps they could have been in the tournament two years in a row. Uh, last year they came up short, but the point is they have won the regular season title three of the last four years. They have sustained the winning. And in a conference where over the last five, six years, it has been a one-bit league. You get one shot. It comes down to Arch Madness, which may or may not be fair, but Loyola is starting to build what a Butler did in the first decade of the 2000s, which is they are becoming a program that is going to get the national recognition necessary that when there is doubt about whether or not they should be in, they're going to get the benefit because they have proven year after year, that they're good enough. And so I think that by going to the tournament again this year, it is going to set them up in the next three to five year window, whatever that is, that if they're a team that's on the bubble of making it, they're going to make it 
because people are going to say, well, it's Loyola Chicago. They've been in the tournament. They were in the tournament in 18. They were in the tournament in 21. They, you know, they, they keep winning the Valley regular season title. They're good enough. That's the kind of program you want to be. And off the final four run, they took the boost of the national exposure that they got that they otherwise never would have gotten. And they turned it into the level of recruiting that could allow them to build a deeper team than the final four team. And you combine that with the coaching that they have, not just Porter, but his staff to develop Cameron Crutwig into the best player in the Valley to allow some of these young guards that they got, you know, I look at a kid like Kennedy who was at brother rice where maybe he doesn't choose Loyola, but did choose Loyola because Loyola was a hot team to go to. And now because of the depth they have doesn't even start for them, but probably will next year, depending on, you know, who leaves and who stays. But like, that's the kind of kid like Baylor Hebb, who I know has not played a lot this year is from Colleyville, Texas and chose to come to Loyola, Chicago. And you're not getting that before the final four run. I don't even think kids down there are thinking about Loyola, but he's done what you hope would happen when you make a run like that, but it's still hard to do, which is to take the boost of the exposure and then get the kids that you want that fit the program and sustain the winning. And so obviously it will help Loyola immensely if they win more than one game or win a game in this tournament. But what they're proving now is that they are a program that if Porter stays over the next whatever number of years, they're going to be at the top or near the top of the Valley every year. So if you're a Loyola fan and you know, I've been around this program now for 10 years, it is, this is what you dream would happen, right? Like, the national championship is this nebulous concept or you, whether you're Loyola or you're North Carolina, you have to get lucky. You need things to go your way to get to the end. But if you're given a chance to make a run every year, that's all you can ask for. And that's what they, what, that's what they're becoming. And I think even before the final four was even a thought, you always heard about Porter Moser's recruiting. He got Milton Doyle to transfer from Kansas while they were just fresh in the Valley. And Milton Doyle played a huge role in turning that program around. Cause I don't think you get Dante Ingram if you don't have Milton Doyle. Like I I think he, I think he was essential and it proved just how good a recruiter Porter is. And now with this beautiful new practice facility with NCAA tournament success under his belt. Now the key is going to be keeping Porter around to see if maybe he's getting recruited to go somewhere else, you know, like, yeah. well, I don't know what's going to happen with that. We saw him turn down St. John's after the final four. And that's going to be the most interesting storyline of the off season, but storyline of today, uh, you talk about path Drake, they, their path to the championship game. They've only played one game in arch madness because their game against Northern Iowa got canceled on Friday due to COVID-19. Yes. Obviously, like I said, they had guys play big minutes yesterday against Missouri State, like big grind them out minutes against Missouri State. Do you think that makes an impact on today's championship game? It's hard to say. You know, I think that a lot of times with these tournaments, we in the media try to look at how much these teams have played over the course of a three-day period and how many minutes and all this stuff. And and I'm not saying that it isn't relevant, but what I do think is sometimes we overvalue it. You know, I think for Drake, yeah, they played one game yesterday. I, what I would say is I think it was tough in Loyola's first game. You know, when, when, when you're coming off like for SIU, you're coming off a Thursday night game and then playing at 11 a.m. the next day. That's That, I think, is tough, especially for an SIU team that was undermanned. And for college students, you know, you're not, you're not getting a lot of sleep. You're I used to cover around. those games as a college student. It was tough to get up. Yeah, right. Listen, I, I know it, it, it was never easy for me. I mean, when I was in college, 9 a.m. was really early. So, like, an 11 a.m. game was not ideal. So I, I, that I think is legitimate, but 
you know, I think for the rest of the tournament, it's hard to say. I mean, yes, Drake had a little more rest than Loyola did, but they had a bunch of guys play a lot of minutes yesterday. I don't know if it makes a big difference. The one thing I would say for today's game with regard to minutes and all that stuff, Nick, I think like Drake has to win today. They have to win because they're not guaranteed in. Loyola is getting into the tournament. I mean, obviously you want to win the Valley Championship if you're a Loyola and that's meaningful. And it and I think Loyola has a lot of motivation for this game because of what we were talking about earlier, seeding and all that stuff. But if Loyola doesn't win today, it doesn't really affect their season that much. If Drake doesn't win today, they should make the tournament, as we've discussed, but they might not. And so I think if you're Darian DeVries, you're telling those kids today, like, we have to win. You want to be in the tournament? Earn the bid. Then we're in. Then we don't have to worry about it. Then we don't go to Selection Sunday and wonder if they're going to screw us out of a bid. That's, so I think, I think that the minutes thing becomes less relevant because if I'm Drake, I'm doing everything in my human body possible to make this win happen for me today. And so I think that that sort of negates the whole thing about minutes. We'll see if some of these guys are tired late. I think it's going to be another rock fight kind of game. Both teams are really good defensively. I would imagine this is going to be one of those, you know, Valley kind of stereotype games where it's, you know, 56 to 50 with two minutes left and we'll see what happens. But I, you know, that's, so the minutes thing may become less relevant if it's a slower paced game. I think it becomes more relevant when it's a track meet, right? If guys are running the floor the whole game and it's a higher scoring game, you might tire some people out. But I think in a, in a game that I would expect to be slower paced, but really intense defensively, you know, I think that these guys are just going to will themselves through. And I think it's also interesting that the, the last two times Loyal and Drake have played, Drake didn't have Tank Hemphill, but they had Roman Penn. Today, Roman Penn's out, and Darren DeVries confirmed yesterday, Tank Hemphill's not playing today. They don't want to risk any further injury for the tournament. So basically, that's those are your top two guys right there. And I don't want to say that gives Loyola that much more of an edge because Drake is a they're a really good team. They're two seed for a reason. But I, I want to know, with that in mind, what are your keys to a potential Loyola victory today? Well, I think for Loyola, the way that they've started the games recently has been huge, right? They've gotten off to these really good starts. They've shot the three ball well. I heard Crutwig and Williamson say in the postgame press conferences how Porter's been telling them to wear out the nets in St. Louis and all this stuff. And I heard some guy named Nick Schultz asking them questions about it. And so, you know, I, don't I, know I who heard that them. Was. Yeah, I, I've never heard of him. Um, but, you know, that, that, that I think has given them maybe a little bit of a boost because they've shot the ball well and really down the stretch. I mean, it's kind of crazy to say, because even though Loyola has won 16 of 17, that only loss in that game against Drake that they really should have won that they blew late, you know, they, they have shot the ball mostly well, but there've been a few games here and there where they have struggled to shoot and overcome it to win when they shoot the ball. Well, they're really hard to beat. That was one thing that I remember in the 18 run when they went to the final four and I'm getting interviewed by all these radio stations all over the country, people are like, well, you know, is Loyola this good? Are they, they really this efficient? It's like, well, yeah, they are. I mean, even they, they, even in the year, like when they went, when they won the CBI, they shot 52% from the field. I'm pretty sure for that season. Well, I mean, when they, they are always an efficient offensive team because of the motion of their offense, because of the way that they teach, offensive basketball Loyola they're always looking for the best shot and they always have guys that can shoot threes so you're always kind of working the ball around the other thing I think too is Cameron Crutwig is so adept at this and I think Drake has been good in the two games we've seen at limiting this but one thing that that Greg Lansing tried to do with Indiana State yesterday was they were trying to double Crutwig and dig on him and try to force a turnover. But Crutwig is so adept at throwing out of the double team and getting an open shooter that it's hard to double team Crutwig. And that's kind of the big question with Loyola. It's like, do you double Crutwig in an effort to slow him down and risk 
having shooters crush you, which is what Loyola ended up doing yesterday early in that game? Or do you not double Crutwig and let him crush you and hope that you don't let the shooters beat you? And so Darian DeVries won coach of the year for a reason. He's an outstanding coach. Drake is going to defend the heck out of Loyola to the best of their ability. I think the key for Loyola today is to keep moving that ball. I think from a defensive standpoint, we know what you're going to, I mean, you know what you're going to get from Loyola. They have, they're, I mean, they're the best scoring defense team in the country for a reason. You know, they, they are holding teams to 50 or less seemingly every game. And I think that they're going to continue to do that um, with the way that they switch, the way they get into passing lanes. I mean, Williamson is so locked in defensively right now. He's been unbelievable, but I think from an offensive standpoint, you know, if they can, if they can get some shooting confidence early and get some open shooters to knock down some shots, whether that's Williamson, whether that's Clemens, whether that's Norris, that could jumpstart the offense a little bit and get Drake on their heels. And if it does, it might open things for Crutwig underneath. So I think that, that to me is a bigger question than Loyola defending. Like I don't see Loyola giving up 70 points in this game because I don't even remember the last time they gave up 70 points. It was to Drake. It was to Drake. (laughs) Yeah, it was to Drake. I looked yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, I think that's, I'd be surprised if that happens today. I think it's more likely that that Loyola from an offensive standpoint is, um, you know, if, if they're, if they're moving the ball and shooting the ball reasonably well, I think they win this game. I agree with you. And the ball movement yesterday against Indiana state looked amazing. And the fact that they hit their first five threes was, I mean, that start, I know they've had fast starts this year. Some games have had slow starts. That's as good a start as I can remember from a Loyola team yesterday against Indiana state. So I'll ask you. And I felt bad for Greg Lansing too. I I don't mean to interrupt you, but I I mean, it's like Greg Lansing is a really good coach and I'm a big fan of his and I know what's going on there and on all that stuff. I mean, like, what do you do if you're him? Right. And you're trying, if Loyola comes out and it's five threes in a row to start the game, you're probably sitting there and you're Greg Lance and you're like, well, we had a good run. I say that's one of those things you just go, okay, some days it's not your night. Yes. (laughs) The team makes five threes out of the gate. Like, all right, that it's their night. They they got a hot hand, but I'll ask you straight up. What's your prediction today? I don't need a score. Just what do you think is going to happen? It's so hard to say. I listen what, what I, having said all the things that I've said, I think Drake has more motivation today than Loyola does. I still think Loyola wins. I think it's going to be close. I think Loyola is the better team, but I think it's going to be a real close game. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think Loyola wins, but listen, Drake deserves a boatload of credit for what they've done all year. They are really good. They deserve to be in the tournament. Darian DeVries is has been a magician since he's gotten to Des Moines. They're still playing without two of their best players. So Loyola should win this game. And that's why I'm picking Loyola. I agree with you. The last betting line I saw from Vegas had Loyola by six and a half, which seemed like a lot to me. But then again, thinking they're without Penn, they're without Hemp Hill. Yeah, maybe that seems right. But I think it's going to be one of those, as Porter says, a a grind it out. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be a usual Valley game today. Maybe not the level of the Missouri state game yesterday where it'll come down to an, a very impressive layup by Joseph Yesifu, which yes. that play that was just very well drawn up. They said the post-game press conference, that was the play they were going to run. If he could get a look, that was a, that was a typical arch madness game yesterday. Yeah. You think you don't think it will be a game like that though. Do you? I mean, could it be? Well, I, here, what I would say is the most likely scenarios to me are either it's a, you know, one to three possession kind of game or Loyola is able to win by 10 or 12 because of the way that they've played. I don't think, I don't see any way Drake blows out Loyola. I'd be shocked if that happens. I don't think Loyola is going to blow out Drake just because so much is on the line for Drake. Um, and it seems like every day if they win, they solidify their NCAA tournament status more in the eyes of the people that make these prognostications, which can only help them. So I think that Drake's going to give every single thing that they have today. And so I don't think that Loyola would get blown out, but I I think, yes, I do do think it could be a one or two possession game because, you know, that's, 
you know, it's like that meme that you always send out of Barry Hinson. It's the Valley, right? I mean, that's how, <laughs> that's how these games go. And so I could totally see a game of that type happening today for sure. And I have that video ready for this afternoon because I have a feeling I'm going to be using it a lot because this is the Arch Madness championship game coming up at one. It's on CBS too. the great Kevin Harlan on the call. Really excited for that because I'm watching Couchside so I can hear what Kevin Harlan's saying about this game. I could listen to him call a basketball game all day. Another guy I can listen to call a basketball game all day is Jordan Burnfield. He's been my guest today on the Sunday Sports Shootout. Jordan, thank you so much for the time. This was awesome. Hopefully we can do this again about an NCAA tournament game down the road. Yeah, no, no question. My, my, my pleasure. Glad to do it. And uh, yeah, happy to help you anytime, Nick. That was so fun. I really enjoyed that conversation. That was Jordan Burnfield. Really glad he could take the time to help preview the Arch Madness championship game between Loyola and Drake. Again, that's coming up today at 1 o'clock. You can watch that on CBS. I will be watching on CBS from my couch, as you heard. That interview is up on the Sunday Sports Shootout Interviews podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever. Feel free to check that out if you don't want to hear the rest of the show. Hopefully you check out the full show podcast as well. But the interview with Jordan is up if you missed it. We are less than an hour and a half from game time. We do have some other things to get to. As I said, you heard me tell Jordan, this was this morning we recorded this. Last betting line I saw before we talked, Loyola was a six and a half point favorite. Now they're up to seven and a half or eight, depending on which sports book you're looking at if you're into sports betting. And an interesting fact, the favorites have won every game of Arch Madness. They have not all covered, as evidenced by Illinois State, hitting a throwaway layup with like a hundredth of a second left the other day to cover the six and a half point spread. They have not all covered, but the favorites have all won. And Loyola is, that's a heavy favorite today. Seven and a half points. That is a much bigger spread than I thought it'd be. Just because these two teams are NCAA tournament caliber, there were two teams to beat Loyola in the regular season. One of them was Indiana State, who the Ramblers beat yesterday. The other was Drake. And I know Drake's down Roman Penn. They had Roman Penn when these two teams played last time. He's out today. They're still down Tank Hemphill. The only thing I can figure is the minutes that they played yesterday against Missouri State. Maybe that has something to do with it. But either way, I think it's going to be a good game. Absolutely. 1 o'clock, Kevin Harlan, Dan Bonner on the call. Let's talk about the rest of the tournament, though. Because this has been a very story-heavy tournament, starting with Friday. Friday... Indiana State beat, they beat Valpo, I believe. That was the Valpo. That was Indiana State Valpo. And Indiana State's wrapping up the press conference. And we're seeing stuff on social media about fans not being let in for the Drake game. And I keep following all this, and I'm not sure what's going on. I thought maybe they were, like, taking some extra time to clean the arena, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we get to about 20 minutes before game time, and there was nobody on the court. Turned out that Northern Iowa had a positive COVID-19 test come back Friday morning. And they were doing contact tracing, and they didn't have enough players per city guidelines. That's an important thing here. So you have to have a minimum number of players to play a basketball game, obviously. You can't play just five guys all 40 minutes. No, you have to have a certain number. I forget what I forget the Valley's eight or nine. Either way, you have to have a certain number of players in order to play a basketball game in this pandemic environment. Northern Iowa did not have enough players. Reports are coming out. Positive COVID test on Northern Iowa. They can't play today. Game's canceled. Drake, Drake moves on by default. Drake essentially got the double bye. And as time goes on, game was scheduled to go off at 5 o'clock. We finally got word, at least from those at the arena. Now, keep in mind, I'm three hours away. The reporters at the arena finally got word about 5.30 that the game was canceled. This is after national reporters had reported this. 
finally got word the game was canceled about 5.30 or so. And the Valley tweeted that a statement was forthcoming. And we're waiting, we're waiting. We did not get a statement from the Valley until about an hour later. And it, I tweeted out the full statement. And I took the screenshots on my phone. It took me four screenshots to capture this whole statement. And I'm, I'm going to read you the part that stuck out to me. So th- this statement starts off, Missouri Valley Conference is canceled their quarterfinal game of the NC tournament due to positive COVID-19 tests and subsequent contact tracing among the University of Northern Iowa's Tier 1 personnel. I just noticed there was a typo in contact tracing, but we'll ignore that right now. As a result, Drake will advance to Saturday. And it talks about each MVC program is required to undergo daily COVID-19 testing for the week preceding and throughout Arch Madness. Beginning Wednesday, Mercy Corporate Health has partnered with the conference to conduct a nightly PCR test. UNI's positive result was discovered as part of Thursday evening's testing for the NBC's championship at Enterprise Center. Decisions relating to the safe navigation of tournament play are ultimately made by the St. Louis City's Board of Health, which includes the implementation of contact tracing guidelines outlined by the CDC and the City of St. Louis. Utilizing the City of St. Louis guidelines, Contact tracing revealed that UNI did not have enough available players to compete. This is where, that's an important line. I'm going to read that again. Utilizing the City of St. Louis guidelines, contact tracing revealed that UNI did not have enough available players to compete. Okay? We following? UNI and other institutions ultimately relied on conference policies that have been in place all season and were thought to be applicable here at the tournament. This is from Commissioner Doug Elgin. It should be noted, UNI followed these procedures during their participation in the event. Here's the line that really stands out in this entire thing. However, the City of St. Louis Board of Health Department COVID orders take precedence over MBC protocols, and none of our institutions were aware that this was in place. In all prior communication we had with St. Louis's local health authorities, we had clearly indicated that the MBC adhered to CDC guidelines and NCAA resocialization guidelines. The MBC did not have the necessary conversations with local health officials to clarify that the administration of the tournament would be governed by St. Louis Health Commissioner's COVID orders. I apologize and take full responsibility for not resolving the administration of policies that are in place during this year's tournament. That's from Doug Elgin, the Commissioner of the Missouri Valley, who is retiring in June. I'm going to be honest here. Yeah, the Valley messed up. Like, I don't... I I don't know how that happens. Like, I I don't want to sit here and just rail on the Valley because you got I give the Valley credit. The only conference in the country to play 100% of its games in the regular season. Literally the only one to get all 90 games in. They should be applauded for that, absolutely. But at the same time, how do you not have dialogue with the city where not only the tournament's being played, but your headquarters are in. Valley HQ is in St. Louis. I I just don't know how this happened. And I I appreciate Doug Elgin in the statement apologizing and taking responsibility and the transparency here. I applaud him for that. that that's Doug. I mean, if there's one thing to take away from... Doug Elgin's tenure as commissioner, it's that what you see is what you get. I mean, he is a class act. He's a nice guy. He always took time to talk to this then-student journalist. This should not define his legacy as commissioner. And I, I understand Northern Iowa fans are ticked off. I get it. Like, if they were playing under conference guidelines... That game would have been played on Friday. But because the league dropped the ball, Northern Iowa had to go home. And understandably, they were upset. And I know their athletic director tweeted that he's frustrated and angry. I get it. I I just don't know how this happens. But it shouldn't define Doug Elgin's legacy. He's the father of Arch Madness. That tournament's been going for 31 years straight in St. Louis, and it's as well-run as any tournament you'll see as someone who's experienced both 
It's very similar to that of the NCAA tournament. They do that on purpose. Arch Madness is run very, very similar to the NCAA tournament, and it's it's like a well-oiled machine. Obviously, I'm not down there this year, so I don't know how it's going this year. But I can tell you from years past, I have gone the last four years. You don't get tournaments better than that. And take that from a kid who was at the Final Four. Arch Madness is very well run. The league is very well respected. I mean, look at what Doug has done. Two Final Four appearances in the last decade, Wichita State and Loyola Chicago. His legacy is there. This should not define it. One last screw-up should not define his legacy. And I obviously, on Twitter, you're getting a small minority here. You're getting the small faction that are using this to define his legacy. No, the, the big picture here is he left his mark on the conference, and he should be commended for that. He made a mistake, and it was, it just, it was a big mistake. DM here from Daryl Horwitz, who used to host the show. Can Loyola become like a Gonzaga in the future where they're always good? I remember years ago when I thought, who's Gonzaga? Can Loyola recruit big-time prospects to come? That's the key to becoming a long-time power. Well, I can tell you from conversations I've had with the Loyola Athletic Department the last couple of years that that is the goal. Their goal is to be the Gonzaga of the Midwest. They've actually gone out to Gonzaga to talk about that. They've met with Gonzaga officials to find out how they capitalized on their success. The key is going to be keeping Porter Moser in town. Gonzaga's kept Mark Few. Can Loyola keep Porter Moser? That's going to be the key, and yeah, they can absolutely recruit big-time prospects to come. That's no doubt in my mind. You heard me tell Jordan. Porter Moser was a good recruiter before the Final Four. Now, he has not only the NCAA tournament success, he's got the brand-new practice facility, which is state-of-the-art. It's amazing. Yeah, they can recruit the big-time prospects. And their goal, like I said, is to be the Gonzaga of the Midwest. That's a direct quote from Steve Watson from last last season when I talked to him. So thanks for the message, Daryl. I hope you're doing well, staying safe. One other important storyline from Arch Madness, and this is going to play out probably in the next week. I'm guessing that's pure speculation. I don't have any insight. Last Sunday after I got off the air, Jeff Goodman from Stadium put out a report saying basically Indiana State wasn't planning to bring back Greg Lansing next year. First of all, that's stupid. Because it's not like he underperformed this year. They were picked to finish fourth. They finished fourth. So it's it's stupid to think about, first of all. But the outpouring of support was amazing because I tweeted this yesterday. I've never met Greg Lansing. Like, and when I say never met him, I've never like shaken his hand. Hi coach. Nice to meet you. No, I've only ever sat in on his press conferences, but I can tell you just from being on the press conferences with him, you don't get many nicer guys than that in this league. I mean, he is the definition of class and he was asked about that report. On Thursday, before the games were played, this is the pre-Arch Madness press conference. Let's take a listen to his answer. Yeah, I said it yesterday. I said, I, I appreciate support. There's no question, but I'm tired of it. I mean, this uh, this is about a, a very good basketball team coming into a tournament uh, trying to win a championship. And these are young guys. They're on, they're on social media, and they know we, we've talked about it in the preseason. We talked about it a little bit towards the start of the season. Uh, so we had to address it again when, when that came out. I was looking forward to a relaxing Sunday when, when that thing came out. And then it was the uh, last few days have been kind of crazy. But these these are uh, smart, uh, mature young men. Uh, so we had our discussions. They, they said what they needed to say and express what they need to express. And what I told them is, is um, you know, you don't, you don't have to bear that burden. I mean, this is, this is about you guys and the team. Uh, let's do it, well, our job and do what we're, we're supposed to do here because that is truly what it's all about. It's about all the guys in that locker room. Again, all class. Like, he could have easily just gone on the defensive 
and he didn't. The guy is a class act. And to, to show you that it's not just me saying this, obviously Loyola beat Indiana State yesterday, so Indiana State's season is over. Porter Moser, who is a good friend of Greg Lansing's, was asked about the keep Greg Lansing chance during the games. And I tweeted out his answer. I'm going to play it for you again because this captures what the league thinks of Coach Greg Lansing. Well, last night I, I hear in the chance and I hear today, like, keep Greg Lansing, and I just have a hard time swallowing that. I just, I just have a hard time swallowing it. Why is it even an issue? The guy's almost the all-time leading win, winner in the history of their school. He's got so many. He's, he's battling for a championship. He's finished fourth, third, everything, year after year. And I'm the product of, I, I get the business. You get an athletic director that it isn't who you hired, and they feel that they might have to hire someone that they hired. But the other thing is, sometimes you've got to have the courage to keep the guy if the right guy is in place. That's a big thing. Have the courage to keep the right guy in place. That's a hell of a thing for for administrator that people respect. And I, I, I that he does it the right way. He's an unbelievable coach, and and, uh, and how hard they play. The young players they have, they're they're fighting for league championships. He's so. Um, I just I just had a hard time hearing that chant because it, it, it shouldn't even be a question. Again, another class act in Porter Moser, defending Greg Lansing. And I I know I saw the idiot in my Twitter mentions. I don't usually like go after people like this. I have had no tolerance for trolls in my Twitter mentions this weekend. I had some idiot in there talking about, oh, Porter Moser's undermining the ASU administration. Okay, stop yourself right now. You've got to think about who you're talking about here. You're talking about an opposing coach talking about a friend of his. This is bigger than basketball. Greg Lansing said that word for word. Porter's a friend of his. It's bigger than basketball. This is not Porter Moser undermining anybody, okay? So shut your mouth. Greg Lansing should be the coach at Indiana State. He is one win away from becoming, or at least tying, the all-time record for wins with that program. And he's got the young pieces, like Porter said. I am a big Jake LaRavia fan. I have been since he entered the league. I am a big Jake LaRavia fan. It, that was a Greg Lansing recruit. And look at how he's working out. I think he could be a player of the year in this league one day. I really do. Greg Lansing needs to stay in Terre Haute. You don't get any better coaches than Greg Lansing down there, especially with that situation. Because if, if Greg Lansing gets let go by Indiana State, who do you get to replace him? Seriously, I want to know a name. I want to know if they have a name in mind. If they do, I want to know who it is. Because my guy, who I'd want running that program, would be the guy you're showing the door. I'm going to have a full column out on this on my blog at Out the Inbound, where I've been doing my Arch Madness coverage this weekend. But I couldn't be on here for an hour today and not address it. Because it is just absolutely stupid. It'd be one thing if Indiana State was, like, perennially finishing 8th, 9th, 7th, 10th. They finished 4th this year. They have been, they're consistently a top-five team. You had Tyreek Key, a Greg Lansing recruit, a Greg Lansing Lansing product, turn into one of the better players in program history. And that's saying something, because I don't know if you know this, Larry Bird went to Indiana State. No, I'm not saying Tyreek Key is as good as Larry Bird was, but still, 1,600-point scorer. The guy's one of the best in program history. He's a Greg Lansing product. Have they made it to the dance in the last few years? No. Have they been close? Yeah. I think if Indiana State played Drake yesterday, Indiana State would be playing today. Yeah, I'll say it. I think Indiana State would have beaten Drake yesterday. Do not get rid of Greg Lansing in Terre Haute. That seems to be the consensus from everybody. Indiana State's athletic department would be making a huge mistake if they let Greg Lansing walk. To his credit, in the press conference yesterday, he addressed it and said, I'm going to take some time off this week and meet with, meet with officials. They made their statement. You didn't really say much about it. He was all about the players, and that's how it should be. That's how he always has been. 
They're all about the players. So, Indiana State, if you're listening, thank you for listening. Keep your coach. We are a little more than an hour away from the championship game at Arch Madness between Loyola, Chicago, and Drake. This is the third time in tournament history that two former Valley players are coaching in the championship. Porter Moser obviously played at Creighton when Creighton was in the league, and Darren DeVries played at Northern Iowa. Last time it happened was 2018 when Porter Moser coached against Dan Muller, who played at Illinois State. And if you're curious, the first time it ever happened was 2006 with Chris Lowry and Jim Les. Chris Lowry at Southern Illinois, Jim Les at Bradley. So that's a fun fact from today. That's from Mike Kern in the Valley office, always providing those fun facts. So I asked Jordan's prediction, and he said he thinks Loyola's going to win. My prediction, dust off those dancing shoes, Loyola. I think you're getting that automatic bid today. I don't know if you'll cover that seven and a half, eight point spread. But I think Loyola will seal up that automatic bid today. I think they can go into selection Sunday knowing they have that locked up and they will just improve their seating from here. I mean, it's hard to pick against the best defense in the country when they're facing a shorthanded Drake team that, again, had two guys in Joseph Yusufu and Garrett Sturts play 40 minutes yesterday against Missouri State. And they were tough minutes, too. That game yesterday had 16 lead changes and nine ties. They played big minutes yesterday. So I'm picking Loyola. My dad just texted me saying he's picking Loyola by 15 plus. Do with that what you will. My dad thinks Loyola's going to win by 15 plus. I, I'm not sure how much they're going to win by. But I think it's going to be a good game. I can tell you that Loyola won in 2018, 65-49, after two really close victories in the first two games. What's funny is that was yesterday's final score against Indiana State was 65-49. I also realized last night that yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the last Loyola basketball game I covered for the Loyola Phoenix. I realized that like late last night. Like That's just crazy to think about that that was a year ago as I wear my Loyola Phoenix sweatshirt today. So I, I did just want to acknowledge that, that that was a year ago, and it doesn't feel like it. I mean, to give you an idea, that means a year ago right now, we were down in St. Louis, shoulder to shoulder on press row, no masks, no social distancing, everything, fans in the stands, a jam-packed stadium on Championship Sunday. And here we are a year later. I'm covering the tournament remotely. And the media turnout had to be cut down. And there's very limited capacity at the Enterprise Center. And everything is being done on Zoom. That is just insane to think about. Wear a damn mask. And get your vaccines. I got my second one on Friday. Get the vaccines. My guy, Zach Miller, do you think Loyola will keep Drake under 50? That's a tough question. Because the last time these two teams played, and you heard me tell Jordan, that was the last time Loyola allowed 70 or more points. So I'm going to go with no. And I think when I say no, I think it might be like 55 points. But I don't think they'll keep him under 50. Depends on how well Cameron Crutway can control Darnell Brody. And if Darnell Brody can stay out of foul trouble for Drake, that is the key. He had four fouls yesterday against Missouri State, and they almost lost that game. The key for Drake, without Tank Hemphill and without Roman Penn, is to keep Darnell Brody out of foul trouble. If he stays out of foul trouble, they have a chance. If he's racking up fouls, if he gets two early fouls, they're done. And it also depends if Loyola gets that hot hand again. I mean, that start yesterday was just... That's as good a start as I can remember from a Loyola team. I've been watching them now for five years. I don't think I can pick a better start than yesterday. 
I'm out of time. Championship game in an hour. I want to thank you all for listening to today's preview show. Thank you again to my friend Jordan Burnfield for taking the time to talk to me about that game and help me preview it. That podcast is available. And this podcast will be available soon as well. I am out of time. Thank you all for listening. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, and enjoy some Arch Madness Championship basketball today at 1 o'clock. Hoping to talk to you next week on Selection Sunday about the possibilities for Loyola and possibly Drake in the NCAA tournament. Have a great week, everybody.